The following podcast is a Dead Sons Company production. In the grim darkness of the 41st millennium, there is only war, and tonight there is only Warhammer. Welcome to the Tainted Hive, the first season of our Warhammer 40,000 Imperium Maledictum podcast. I'm your GM Brad, guiding our group. Joining me tonight are Justin, Eric, Mike, and Alex. And with that, let's jump in tonight and the very first episode of the Tainted Hive. First and foremost, guys, we done made it. Cheers. Yeah. Cheers. So tonight we are going to start with episode one, and uh, we are going to get going on that in just a second. Once I figure out why the backing track doesn't work, we'll cut that part out. Will we? Leave it in. I'm probably going to leave it in. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you you, you, honestly, you probably should leave it in. You got to love when like tech issues just... I I see what you mean though. Like the, the backing track doesn't like to play. It doesn't like to, yeah. Whatever. We're going without it. We'll put it in afterwards. All right, so, gentlemen, tonight we start to dive into Chemical Burn, the scenario written by Cubicle 7 for Imperium Maledictum when it first came out. Uh, we kind of went over patron and character creation in a session zero. Listeners at home, you are not required to listen to session zero to follow along tonight. If you're really interested in the ridiculousness that is our character creation, go check it out. Uh, but let's go round horn real quick. I want to introduce all of your characters names classes any notable features or talents that the listeners should know about and then from there we'll jump directly into the session so let's start top left mr roderick wrangler tell us about yourself um justin i'm playing roderick wrangler he is uh of a hive world uh from the imperial fleet Uh, he is our group's interlocutor aka i'll be the one talking to a lot of people and paying them off when i need to and uh, when that doesn't work, I'll hand it over to somebody else who has more guns. Um, yeah, uh, he is a... <laughs> Very fitting. Roderick is a sly and rugged scoundrel. Uh, he has a reputation for talking a big game and being just crazy enough to follow through in his threats. Um, yeah, we'll learn more about him as we go. Beautiful. Dimitri, tell us your name. Tell us your character. Yeah, so... Dimitri Canto, he is from a hive world, uh, got plucked from there as a child, and essentially press-ganged into the Astra Militarum as a grunt. Uh, Through circumstance more than skill, he was tapped to be the medic for his unit and uh, took on that additional duty. Um, After icing his superior officer, because he didn't like him, he got sent to a penal colony... (laughs) which is where I got picked up for this group. Um, So yeah, basically my role is going to be to stack bodies and stitch wounds. And who plays Dimitri? (laughs) Mike. Mike. (laughs) (laughs) If you wonder why when I made the the post, the Instagram post that I made with the Family Guy reference, why you're last, that entire (laughs) statement of I iced my superior officer, I bring guns to the party... (laughs) 
Uh, Quentin, aka Eric, you're up. Uh, my name's Eric. I'm playing Quentin Zarel. Um, Quentin was born in, is voidborn, and he had psychic powers manifest pretty early, and through a series of unfortunate events involving some interactions with chaos and the material, he was discovered and sent off to the Astrotelepathica, and became, eventually got notif- noticed and plucked out of the tithe offering and um became a sanctioned psyker and he brings the psychic powers and mind manipulation as well as a pretty well understanding and perception of the immaterium and warp around everything i love it and that brings us to mr mordecai uh my name is alex i'm playing mordecai magdala um he's born in a feral world and he is an infractionist. Uh, basically, there's not much to my world except trying to survive all the time. And on top of that, some uh, terrible colonist-type people have kind of invaded my uh, cities and villages nearby, which kind of led me into trying to covertly go in and collect intelligence. And I've become very stealthy and pretty good at stealing stuff. And uh, my role is a penumbra. And uh, yeah, I look forward to learning more about him. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So to, to set the scene here, each of you are a unique individual who over the course of your lifespan have been set your task in the Emperor's will. Now, within the Imperium of Man, within the Warhammer 40,000 universe, you are born to a role. And that is the role that you play for your entire life. And yet for the four of you, you've had the unique and distinct opportunity to have your entire fortunes changed when Halicarn plucked you from your existence and brought you back to his ship. So to pay, let's, let's quickly set the scene here and then we're going to get into the fun. Um, two weeks ago, two standard weeks ago, each of you were collected from your homes, from your worlds, aboard small dropships as groups of inquisitorial agents came and basically corralled you. Now, each of you knew that being corralled by the Inquisition is not a great prospect. Most of the time, if you're corralled or herded or collected by the Inquisition, they either believe you to be a heretic, believe you know a heretic, or want to question you about a heretic. <laughs> and in most cases, all three of those options end the exact same way, which is a bolt round or a las round to your own head. So you all get collected, and you get brought to Halicarn's flagship, a sword-class destroyer called the Lamenting Tears of Terra. It's 1.6 kilometers from tip to tail. The, as, as each of you would have approached, the massive buttresses and cathedrals that make up the ship highlighted against the inky blackness of the space behind would have made for a very imposing image at least for a couple of you, Mordecai being one, and Quentin perhaps a little bit being two. Now, Dimitri, you've had your time on ships. You've been in penal colonies. You've served in the Astra Militarum. You're used to seeing void ships. And Roderick being a part of the Imperial Fleet. Oh, I've seen bigger, mate. I'm voidborn, so oh, it's that, pretty normal to me. Quentin, that's true. You are voidborn, so yeah. this is. Part. So Mordecai, you're probably the only one who's just completely dumbfounded by the size of this ship. You said it was called the Lamenting, no the Lamenting Tears of Terra. Is that true? 
that what it's called? The Lamenting Tears of Terra. That's the name of his ship, yep. No, I feel like I've probably seen ships in the sky before. In the but sky, But maybe not absolutely. this close. Why ship named after Emperor who does not cry? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you speak in English, mate. My English is flawless. I speak high gothic. <laughs> That's your problem right there. <laughs> I cannot spell high gothic. Yeah, where's England? England's not even a thing, right? So as each of you would approach this ship, you notice that the sides are bristling with what's called macro cannons, las cannons, massive weaponry. The huge kind of shielded prow that kind of creates this like a like a bulldozer scoop kind of like a snowplow is a bright white with glistening gold trim the entirety of the ship itself is white and it looks immaculately clean but as you get closer you see the scars of plasma burns and las burns on the armor you see where some pieces of the armor itself are being replaced as repairs are underway and so for two weeks the four of you end up locked into one floor of this ship, one small area. For some of you, it's a very large area. Roderick, Quentin being Voidborn and being Imperial Navy, it is absolutely not. You are locked to less than 5% of the ship's total space. And you notice over the course of those two weeks that the protectors of the ships, the Inquisitorial Acolytes, always seem to be there. They're there when you turn the corners, they're watching the doors. You are not prisoners, but you are absolutely not free. And over the course of the two weeks, you smell a lot of different things. You can smell the smell of steel and plasteel that makes up the interior of the ship, the constant kind of dull odor of recycled and refurbished air that's been utilized for centuries, which carries with it what the four of you only know after a while is the standard smell of body odor. Add mm. all of that with the smells of oils and other lubricants that basically are all throughout the ship and the faint kind of whiff of ozone. And that is your life for two weeks. Until this morning, when two hours before your normal wake at 0400, one of the Inquisitorial Acolytes came in and essentially kicked you all out of your billets and told you to get down to the void deck, the launch deck, to get onto a shuttle at Halicarn's bidding to head down to Rokarth. Now, each of you met Halicarn briefly. He's tall, he's lean. Somewhere, he appears to be somewhere around 45 to 50 standard Terran years old. But you've caught over the last two weeks that he is far older than that. His face is heavily scarred and the entire left eye is completely replaced by a cybernetic. He wears black leathers trimmed in gold and maroon and often is found carrying a bolt pistol and some sort of a bladed weapon that you never really got a good look at, but Quentin, you would know from seeing these on others, there's a really high chance it's a power sword. Halicarn didn't really deign any of you with his time. He saw you, he made sure you were viable, and then he put you in that that floor and locked you there for two two weeks. Not very polite, man, is he? The four of you have had that time to bond, 
have some semblance of an understanding of who each other are. And so it's without concern, well, maybe with concern, but without surprise, that as you all muster at 5.30 a.m. on the embarkation deck, having had time to quickly grab a cup of recaf, which is, for those of you who are not Warhammer heads, that's a cup of coffee, recaf. Couple recaps. Seems kind of, pretty self-explanatory. I figured it did, but I had to clarify. Um, I would like you have to, time to grab uh, a cup of recaf and a small uh, breakfast, and then you're down on the deck. Like to ask the who are these people that were coming to pick us up out of here? What are they called? They're called inquisitorial agents or inquisitorial acolytes. They are low members on the Inquisition totem pole. I'm gonna lean over to one of them as I'm walking over for a cuppa, and I'm gonna be like, "Finally, get sick of smelling Mordecai." <laughs> Me too. Don't blame you. The, I'm here for it. The agent looks at you and doesn't even seem to date, like doesn't even seem to, to care about your existence and just kind of looks at you and goes, right. Well, that's one way to respond. You notice that the, um, the agent himself just kind of like, just is looking at you like, get this over with, you know, get on the ship. Why do you... Well, never mind. <laughs> no, go for it. So why why do you assume my character smells bad? <laughs> Aren't you from a feudal world? <laughs> a, a feral world oh, even where worse. we have water to wash our balls. Oof. I mean, <laughs> like... Rhodes, Rhodes, it's fine. Let's move on. <laughs> the smell you speak of, it's... This is, this is natural odor. My great aunt, she was... She was greatest laundress on all of world. This, this is normal. I give another deep sniff. Doesn't smell normal to me, mate. But you know, teach their own. Now, what doesn't Perhaps smell you're normal... just not used to smelling that of a man. No, I... Perhaps you're used to smelling the boys on your planet. Oh, whoa. Quentin, quite obviously, having cast, having previously met, uh, cast psychic static he now is awkwardly getting close to each of them and smelling them but they don't even notice him <laughs> you gotta all right you gotta remind i just looked at it earlier you gotta remind me what psychic static does oh my god i'm gonna forget you emanate imperceptible psychic static shrouding you from notice and detection until the next your start of your next turn which is a sustained power which i'm sustaining okay a creature or device can't perceive you unless it wins an easy plus 40 awareness any test opposing your manifest test beautiful quick question for quentin because this is an important piece Psychers in this in this world, in this universe, manifest their powers in many different ways and often influence the area around them. So how would, when you're manifesting your power and not using psychic static to be incongruous, but when you're doing so, what kind of an impact would the gentleman feel? Would it be, would you, would the air chill? Would it be staticky? Like what kind of a, a effect happens as you channel? There is a buzzing in their heads that they would might notice. Um, when it's in an overt power and more the buzzing grows louder, the more overt the power is. And this, of course, is not an overt power. It's unnoticeable unless I'm actually actively saying I'm doing something. Okay. Much like All yourself, right. you unremarkable uh, so, bastard, you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Quentin, do me a favor. As you are, as you're moving around and, you know, assessing who has any odor, go ahead awesome. and, uh, Oh, let's roll me a uh, a percent. Oh, 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 oh. There's, I love that there's so many like subcategories of every skill. There's a lot. Uh, roll me an awareness. <laughs> roll me an awareness check. And if you have any kind of a skill that is specific to smell within that, go for it. 
Um, I don't think I do. Um, and I, my manifest test for static ecstatic was plus five. Okay. So if anybody, uh, I, let's do this. All three of you, roll me an easy plus forty. Uh, what would they have to roll against that, Quentin? Perception. A stink check. Uh, awareness. Easy. Oh, sorry. It's, it's plus forty, so it's actually would have been plus nine. Um, Wait. They, easy plus forty awareness. Hang on. They have an easy plus forty against your mastery roll, which was five. You don't. Yep. You don't have a nine. You have a no. five. The difficulty is a easy plus 40 test for me. Oh, the way you explained that made it sound like they had an easy test. We, we do. They do as well. We, when it's easy for both of us. So if it's easy, we're, it's just going to wash. It's four either way. So it's got to be to five. It is, yeah. So, all right. So Roderick, Dimitri, Mordecai, give me an awareness check to see if you can notice Quentin inconspicuously trying to smell each of you. And Quentin, how was your awareness uh smell test plus one okay plus one roll the 47 all right hey quentin one thing you should know about me is i am very aware plus six mordecai you absolutely notice as quentin leans in and goes quentin what is it like smelling a real man quentin doesn't even acknowledge he just does it again and then start smelling the next one. <laughs> <laughs> but how is it? <laughs> uh, Roderick and Dimitri, how did your tests to see if you noticed Quentin smelling you go? Plus three for me. And a okay. plus Roderick? four for this, me. This buzzing is not a problem. I'm so dead. you guys both don't notice me. If they, I got a plus five. Yeah, so if you, or plus nine, it would have been a roll. Yeah. So, so with that case, uh, Roderick and Dimitri, you do not notice as Quentin is sniffing each of you. However, Quentin, you do realize that there is an odor. It is real. Question for Mordecai. Did he roll his plus six with the 40? Did he yes. notice either? I would have still beat him then. Oh, if you were plus, yeah, Mordecai, I can... if you were plus six with the 40, you didn't win. Well, I, yeah. I dropped out with... during part of that and was trying to pretend that I didn't. So I missed you guys talking about it. <laughs> so, but here I am. <laughs> Session session one's name is going to be Mordecai has tech issues. <laughs> sure so does. With us failing, do yeah. we still hear the buzzing? There's no buzzing for no, because it's not no, overpowered. Yeah. Okay. So those that you are shouted from look past you, do not register your voice, your footsteps, and otherwise act as though you are not there. Okay. I carry on stinking. Um, I would. I would. Vocally I was going to say. So, where the where the creepy one go? So, Quentin, as you go through your effort to see where this odor is coming from that people are referencing, you realize very quickly it's actually Dimitri's combat fatigues. <laughs> Shit. Stank ass. <laughs> so, you all you all get your cup of recaf and your breakfast, which is quite literally almost like a grueling kind of meal. Like, it's not great. It's like an oatmeal type thing. Um Roderick, are you, are you from, I forget, are you from a hive world? I am from a hive world. Is it called yeah. re-meal? It is not <laughs> called re-meal. Uh, Roderick, oh. you would recognize immediately that what they're feeding you is corpse paste. The fuck? Yeah. So for those of you who don't know. I'm sorry? Uh, corpse paste. <laughs> I'm getting there. I'm getting there. <laughs> corpse paste is a standard um, no. nutritional supplement normally used no. in the poorest areas of a hive. It is quite literally what you think it is. It is dead bodies that have been broken down into their sheer nutritional components 
and refed to a populace, which has a twofold benefit of getting rid of all the dead and feeding the ever-growing populace. So we're cannibals. Got it. Cool. Most of the Imperium is. And this is what's wrong with this cool. universe. Got it. Okay, cool. Carry on. I mean, Depends on your dude, definition. This is what's cannibal. wrong with this universe. Just just wait. Just, dude, Do my, they at my least definition... put a ramen noodle flavor packet in that shit? Or is it like straight up corpse? All the MSG. None of you have to roll for this. All four of you realize that the meal they fed you today is significantly less than what you've had in the past. Where it's been some, some style of like oatmeal with a little bit of fruit or some kind of a reconstituted, uh, you know, vegetable. It's oh, very obvious for sure. Dimitri, it's very obvious with your service in the Militarum. They're at this point just going, well, we don't have to give them good rations. We don't know if they're coming back. So it's very obvious they were trying to build your strength to then get you on a mission. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. They're really investing in us quite heavily. 100%. Got it. 100%. Yeah. So you end HR up... HR is not a thing in this universe. <laughs> <laughs> HR, HR will also put a bolt round through your head. Let's put it that way. <laughs> So, and then make you follow the fi- paperwork for it. <laughs> five years later, your claim might be justified. Um, as, the, as, as you quickly get your bowl of gruel and your cup of recaf, you have a few minutes to inhale it, and you are then moving down the, the corridors. Now, the corridors in this section where you are, as you make your way to the maglifts, go down to the launch deck. The corridors are tight. They're about six feet wide, so wide enough for two people to kind of jostle past each other. The ceilings are only eight feet tall cables snake the whole way and the air in the the areas they're taking you through to kind of take you through a couple service corridors. The air smells of static and grease. You come out and in front of you is a massive mag lift. I mean, you could park a tank on this thing. You all step onto the lift, a couple of the acolytes, key in a couple runes, and you very quickly drop 10 floors. You step off the mag lift and the space around you is immense. Now, you're in one of the smallest ships that you've seen in the Imperial Navy, Roderick. But it is still, the fact that a single Inquisitor wields this much power of a ship is very impressive. The deck that you step out onto is a launch deck. And from, from end to end, you see four different transit vehicles in this launch deck. Each of which is a different style of, of landing craft. The acolytes, this actually, actually, let me say, the ceilings are 30 meters tall, which makes sense because ships have to fly in and land and fly out. Uh, each of the landing craft, Roderick, you, rec- you recognize them as just four different patterns of standard landing craft, some with a lot of weaponry, some without. Each of these landing craft are hooked up with massive cables for fuel, for repairs. A couple of them are actually under active work. And the air here smells heavily of ozone and you realize it's because beyond the ships beyond the landing craft you can see open space with the field protecting the atmosphere kind of glistening there got it looks like we're on our way out boys at the backdrop in space you see the planet known as vol It is a dirty orange color with swirls of greenish, yellowish cloud. Quite frankly, it is absolutely filthy looking. The acolytes guide you over to a ship and you see as a pilot is donning the rest of their flight suit, putting on their helmet. The pilot looks to you and goes, 
Well, it's about fragging time. Get in. I'm supposed to have you drop side in 35 minutes. It's going to be a hell of a timeline to make. Uh, we're going down there. Uh, Dimitri leans over. Dimitri, Dimitri le- leans over to Roderick. You'll, you you ever drop before? No, no. Have I ever dropped before? I think I have. I would assume I have. If you're in the Imperial, if you're in, in the Imperial Navy, you would have done landside drops before, but not maybe not in the reference that Dimitri is saying, like into a war zone. But you've definitely um, had. Even if I have not done it into plans. a war zone, I would definitely play it off like I have. Absolutely, hundreds of times. Do, do I see anyone else in the party looking like this is this is new and freaky? You don't notice anything from um, Quentin because you don't notice him until he comes up and kind of boops you on the nose. <laughs> Fucking sparkhead. Boop. And then all of a sudden he just kind of appears and it's like, yeah, I think I've I've done something like this before, I think. And he's, but at the same time, when he's saying that, he looks very confused and like he's not sure even of the answer he's giving himself. Uh, Roderick's totally going to jump backwards once uh, Quentin boops Dimitri. And he's like, Oi, Quinoa, where'd you come from? Oh, I've been around here the whole Don't time. Don't scare me like that. <laughs> You're gonna be calling. No, you'll have to. You're gonna be calling him Quinoa the whole thing. You damn right I am. <laughs> you'll have to pardon me. I kind of missed the conversation. I'm still getting over the fact this dude was being rude about us being late when we had no control over where we were. Uh, Mordecai, have you ever dropped before into hot LZ? No. <laughs> <laughs> the heavy pregnant thought <laughs> this is no problem I've done this many times I've dropped You're... out of trees onto predators before I've never dropped from a spacecraft very similar your balls make nice with brain yes and I head in, <laughs> I head into the uh, the dropship <laughs> so the back of the dropship is is this landing it's this launch pad it, it very much is just a huge deck that's dropped you watch as Dimitri says this and just begins walking up, his feet oh, ringing off of the mesh grating. I'm pausing as I hear him say this, and I'm going to look around for a second, and I'm going to reach down and like grab my balls and kind of hold them on as I swagger into the ship. I'm like, <laughs> scratch my head. See, Roderick do this. Quentin's going to copy him and follow him up. <laughs> Roderick, so give, me a, uh, give me an awareness check for it, uh, if you have any specializations in sight, you can utilize them. Uh, just a challenging one. Challenging plus zero, yeah. Uh, so that is a 50 out of a 45. So minus one. You 100% realize that the, oh, even with a minus one, he did worse. You 100% realize that the pilot who's going to be taking you in atmosphere is watching you with this look of just kind of disgusted fascination as you're grabbing your own testicles and walking um, onto the ship and he's just like I'm gonna pause for a second as we make eye contact and I'm gonna kind of raise one eyebrow and I'm gonna be like you wanna see my macro cannon mate <laughs> give him a little <laughs> wink <laughs> he looks completely befuddled and just goes I've never seen someone from the navy act that and he just begins to climb into the cockpit ain't no acting you you hear dimitri roaring with laughter he make joke about cock (laughs) (laughs) and this is why this is why we're an adult podcast (laughs) we're not even 20 minutes in and there's dick jokes (laughs) 
I, for the record, I didn't start that. Well, I guess I did with the Bulls comment. I did. That was me. I'll own that. <laughs> Technically. So all four of you make your way. I started it when he mentioned macro cannons earlier. I knew it was happening at True. that point. <laughs> the, the four, God, the four of you. I, I don't have, we don't have. I didn't say shit. Uh, <laughs> oh, shit. All right. I've been sitting here quiet. <laughs> The four of you get into this launch ship, into the drop ship, and the rear hatch rises. You notice that there are bucket seats along the edges, each of which has a strap where you can sit in, strap yourself in. A couple of the Adeptus, uh, or I'm sorry, a couple of the Inquisition Adepts join you as well. And you've realized that these Adepts seem to be guarding you as much as making sure you make it to the right place. With a quick lurch, the ship rises and takes off. And you hear the pilot's voice ring out over the front, or one of the pilots, a different voice than the first pilot you met. You can safely assume there are two pilots in this ship. Um, but one of the voices rings out and says, Oi, one of you needs to reach into one of those seats back pockets. There's a uh, lovely little data slate for you from Halicon. And you each kind of shuffle around very quickly. Um, Dimitri, in the rear of your seat, you find a data slate. Ooh. As you take it and you tap the screen to turn it on, you realize it's encrypted. It's completely unreadable. There are, there's a way Useful. for you to enter a password. There is a place to enter a drive, which would be a key card to turn it on. And there's also a biometric scanner, like a thumbprint in the lower right corner. I, I'm assuming I've used these in the past. You have. It's a data slate. Right. It's a standard... Standard I mash way. my thumb onto the uh, thumbprint reader. So you mash your thumb onto the thumbprint reader, and as you watch, the data slate completely unencrypts itself. At the conclusion of the de-encryption, you see as a kind of digital presentation of Halicarn's face kind of floats slightly above the data slate, and a audio playback begins. And you hear Halicarn, the man, the man that you've each met one, maybe two times, as his voice rings out and says, The Emperor's eyes are upon you, Acolytes. I've heard word of an unidentified and likely dangerous biochemical known as Gratis circulating in Hive Rokoth. Given the numerous suggestions of heretical activity across this acidic mud ball, I need you to find out where and who that Gratis substance is coming from. Discover its purpose and destroy the source. I have no time to investigate personally, nor am I inclined to draw attention to myself when more pressing work looms. You will operate clandestinely in my stead. Any undue revelation of our connection could compromise my higher purpose. Only, only, if the sanctity of the glorious Imperium itself is at risk are you permitted to produce your ring bearing my inquisitorial seal, but I will expect an explanation. Recall that I tolerate neither failure nor excuses. Both are the refuge of the weak. And as the audio cuts, one of the Inquisition agents stands up, pulls a signet key out of his pocket, and hands it to you, Dimitri. All right. What was the condition that he stated for showing the signet? Only if the sanctity of the glorious Imperium itself is at risk you would know that that means don't fucking do this unless there's no other option. Okay. And then it yeah. was just basically, 
So I'm going to sum that up really quickly just to make sure we all got it. Go for it. We're going to find this gratis substance, which sounds like it's being peddled around down there uh, and who it's coming from and what that source is, right? And we just need to destroy it at all costs. So the the statement is to find the purpose and destroy the source. Yes. Correct. Now, along with the along with the audio message, as Dimitri, as the audio message fades, you see that there are a couple of small files on the um, data slate itself. And okay. as, you, as you thumb through them, there are three total. Uh, it looks as if they are kind of reports from Halicarn's agents on the ground, spies and other associates. Uh, the first one is that Vigilite reports suggests that the Mudgate, which is the principal port of the Hive Rokarth, is at the center of the vertical gratis trafficking throughout the Hive. Halicarn has a note on this that says, I suggest you search this area. The second file states that there is a noble known to have been consuming gratis named Vidame Gular, who is currently recuperating at the Cathedral of Obligatory Modesty. His compromised permission, or his compromised position, may make him pliable. Halicarn has added an additional note there that says, interview. It is, what was that location again? The Cathedral of Obligatory Modesty. Like a rehab center? Would we know what that is? You don't recognize the name having never been to Rokarth, but the format of the name basically hits you as being some sort of healing house often run by the Ecclesiarchy or Adeptus, uh, I'm sorry, Adeptus Administratum, etc. Okay. Okay, so Mudgate's at the center of the thing. Vidame Gular is a known user of Gratis who's currently in recovery, right? Correct. Okay. The third file, the final file on the data slate, states that the Thaler Hostelry is a safe house available to you as Halicard's acolytes. The code phrase to identify yourself to enter is all hail the martyrs. The response to this prompt is on their blood is our Imperium founded. Halicard so the response has, one more time. So the, the initial statement is all hail the martyrs. Yep. The first response should be on their blood is our Imperium founded. And Halicarn has noted that you respond to this with in their remembrance, do we honor ourselves? <sighs> There's a second note from Halicarn here that says, Variation of these responses could have deadly effects. In our remembrance, we honor in their remembrance. Their remembrance. Do we honor honor ourselves? All right, Mordecai, just let me do the talking when that comes up. I probably for the best, unless you want to get your balls shot off. You know, I trust that you will always do the talking. It is what you do best, isn't it? I'm glad you noticed. Very flattering. As you finish searching through these files, Dimitri, as you thumb out of the final file and enter back to the main screen, unprompted, the data slate shifts and Halicarn's face again and his voice ring out. 
and you see Halicarn, it almost feels like he's looking at you, even though you know it's just a holographic render of his face. And he says, Seek and destroy my acolytes. Carry the Emperor's will as your torch and let its flames burn his foes to ash. And the data slate goes blank. Real pleasant guy, that one. Real pleasant. Sounds like it. <laughs> ah, shit. Quinoa, where'd you come from? I've been here the whole time. <laughs> Bollocks. As your shuttle begins to breach atmosphere, begins to shake, uh, you now have the replica, that, that signet ring of Halicarn's Inquisitorial Seal. Should you choose to utilize this as a party, it will allow you to reveal your patron's influence, reveal who your patron is, and will also give you the access to limitless authority and fearsome reputation, the two, two of the boons that you get, excuse me, for being under the Inquisition. You have a few minutes as you're getting ready to land in Rokarth if there's anything you four would like to discuss. Dimitri's already asleep. <laughs> okay. All right. So, uh, a few minutes go by. The ship shakes. The, the shuttle shakes in the atmosphere for a brief moment, and then you're down. You're through the rough. And it's a very easy sail. You hear a little bit of kind of chatter coming out of the cockpit, but nothing that you can really make out. And as you feel the ship's deceleration, there's a light thunk as it sets down. The back gate drops. And immediately you are hit with the smells of petrochemical fumes, uh, jet wash after wash, different scents of fuel. So Prometheum is going to be there. Uh, to, to just quickly touch, Prometheum is just standard fuel. Think of it like diesel. It's used for everything in Warhammer 40,000. You also get the strange odor of a hive city. Roderick, it's almost familiar to you, but it doesn't smell like your home. It just smells like similar. For those of you who have never been on a hive, you are hit with the unfathomable odor of air that circulates around 30 billion people and all of their trash and refuse. I will have uh, preemptively, knowing that we were coming down here, put my ugly filtration plugs in my nose. Hundred percent. When you've even waited, Dimitri so, takes a huge, satisfied inhale, as though he's home. <laughs> as the four of you step down the landing, uh, the landing ramp. Around you is an absolutely massive port. Uh, you are in the mud gate, and you can see people bustling back and forth, shuttles landing, and as you look skyward, you see the never-ending stream of shuttles that are coming into the mud gate. There are dozens, if not hundreds, of docking berths for ships. Roderick, being from a hive city, you would know that for a hive to function, a constant influx of food is needed because a hive cannot feed itself. And a hive like Rokarth with 30 billion people has no chance to feed itself. So you're watching as just a stream of shuttles are breaching through these clouds, clouds that are orange and green and just ugly, filthy. It is very obvious that like many other hive worlds, Vol is extremely polluted and the area around Rokarth even more so. Uh, I knew there was a reason I uh, 
Haven't been back to good old homeworld in a while. I much prefer the void, eh, Quinoa? At the gentle ribbing, he kind of looks awkwardly at him and then he kind of does it back, but like in a half-hearted, awkward way. <laughs> You're good, lad. You're good. <laughs> so as you look around, you see that checkpoints to get through security gates from the ship that you're at, from the, the landing docks into the hive are massive. Hundreds, if not thousands of people at every single gate trying to go in. On the opposite side are hundreds of people trying to come out. The smell of the sweat and the grease and the exhaust is coupled with the unending din upon your ears of people shouting orders, the roars of jet engines, and the sounds of heavy machinery as you see as actual like half tracks are even driving around this area picking up goods. So it's loud, it is messy. It's almost borderline overwhelming. Mordecai, specifically, being from a feral world, this might just feel very, very overwhelming. It's it's disgusting, sir. As you look around, you see many people unloading goods from other ships surrounding you. What I'd like everyone to do is go ahead and give me a difficult negative 10 awareness check. And it's for sight if you have any specializations. Oh, shit. Plus four. All right. Got a six. Uh, also plus four. Okay. Minus one. Okay. Plus three. All right. So, Roderick, you're a little bit overwhelmed by the, just a feeling of home that you haven't had in a while. Uh, Dimitri, Mordecai, and Quentin, you each notice many subtle signs of surreptitious or illicit trading. You're watching as guards are taking credits of solars to let people jump lines to get in and out of the gates. You're seeing as individuals with these half tracks are opening crates and maybe moving one or two items between two crates before they put them into place. You see as um, members of the Imperium dressed in just standard worker blues are taking money from individuals and turning their backs as that person goes into crates and takes things out. So you're seeing a lot of signs of illicit trade. Um, those being said, uh, those those people, I should say, don't seem to stand out as anything out of the ordinary. Shady trading is just part of the life in the Imperium. People are always trying to get ahead of it. What you do notice, though, <clears throat> excuse me, the majority of the people with this shady trading, they seem to be wearing what appears to be nobles clothing that looks really ragged and worn down, especially with those success levels. And as you, as you kind of watch, you see as they make these trades and these people with this noble clothing disappear almost as quickly as you saw them. You know, if you take even one step towards them, they seem to like sink back into the crowd and kind of re-amalgamate themselves. Is there anybody that I noticed that looks particularly suspicious in like... Uh... What what kind of things are they trading? Can we tell what they're trading? Does anything look like like drug deals going on? Or so from the distance that you are, as you see these things happening, it's really hard to tell. Uh, and as like, a, what is the distance? Uh, you at the earliest probably twelve meters from most of them. I mean, you're talking. Your ship is here. Next bay over, you might see one. Two bays past that is another. So it's going to vary anywhere from twelve meters to fifty meters. 
Okay, I guess Quentin would just start wandering over to one of the more shadier looking ones in his heads. Okay. Whichever so that would be. As you approach, I would probably follow along with him as well. Okay. I also am still sustaining psychic static. I just didn't notice that you walk okay. away. <laughs> you do see Mordecai walk away, however. Yeah. I, I'm a little more remarkable. <laughs> just a little. Uh, Speaking of Dimitri, Roderick, are you moving with Mordecai or no? Should we actually do some physical descriptions at all, or like, did we, do we want to say what we all look like? I thought that was that was kind of what I had hoped you had done at the beginning, but yeah, let's go ahead and re re re-explain what your characters look like again. So uh, maybe if we had a little more direction, as you guys as you guys hit this high. (laughs) Yeah, to be fair, that was not what you told us. I believe I had said, say your name, say who your character is, what you're playing. Yeah, you're right. I guess I assumed in my head you'd explain what you look like a little bit. So let's do this. He also did say distinguishing features, which I forgot about. I was going to do it, but I forgot. You know, it's fair. Fair. This is just... Instead, I just blame Brad. Let's just start the session over. Blame the GM. Top tier content. Uh, Let's let's do this really quick, as you have all stepped off the ship. Now that you are dressed to be on the high world, what do you look like? Roderick, go first. Um, Roderick is a average size guy, but he's got a lower jaw that kind of juts forward. So his lower lip kind of protrudes out and it's kind of holding even with his sharp nose sticking out in front of his face. Um, his face is really scarred and has a perpetual like five o'clock shadow, uh, full of whiskers. Uh, he has a large scar that parts his black hair on the right side of his head. And when he walks, he does so with kind of like a shit eating swagger, I guess I'll call it. Uh, he has got wiry arms and he's always kind of like pointing and clenching his hands and like going, hey, everybody walks past kind of thing. Um, yeah, he kind of walks with his whole body. Um, he's always transitioning between a grimace and a genial smile. Sometimes he pauses and smirks knowingly, uh, even when he's not paying attention. Uh, and he looks like he's got like that permanently windswept look on his hair, or, or maybe he like stuck his finger in electrical socket or something when he was a kid and it just never went down. Hard to say which, um, he wears something like a Navy uniform. Uh, but he also almost always wears a non-uniform black trench coat over the top of it to kind of like hide his, uh, disheveled <laughs> uniform. So, yeah. All right. I must admit, when you started that description, I thought you were going to be Nigel Thornberry. <laughs> <laughs> With lace pistols. Yeah, uh, I said lace pistols, Brad. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> Dimitri. What do you look like, sir? So Dimitri cuts a large, burly visage. Um but that, that large appearance is, uh, is deceiving. Um, apparently from my, my character creation, behind those dead sunken eyes lies a, a fairly powerful intellect. Um, I'm clad head to toe in a scarred, bloody, and apparently stinky flak armor. Um, he, he stays quiet, but constantly paying attention to the conversations around him, particularly anything that might affect him or his squad mates. And uh, he is deathly allergic to hypocrisy and bullshit. As you describe his flak armor, I'm very, very happy that uh, you rolled up as the stinky one. 
because all I can see in my head now is like my old hockey pads and how they smell after years of use. Oh yeah, yuck, lovely, Quentin. And he's the he's the one that's supposed to be healing you, so he <laughs> never washes his hands. Yeah, gotta love that. Quentin is a fairly tall. He's six foot two, one hundred and seventy five ish pounds. He's kind of scraggly and scrawny but he's got these weird robes that kind of look disheveled and thrown together. He's got cropped brown hair that looks as if he's been pulling at it and like yanking chunks of it out. And he's got a five o'clock shadow constantly. And he gives this error. And if you ever get a, get a chance to notice him, he's not fairly remarkable to look at, but at the same time, he has this perception of him that it's like, he's looking at you, but at the same time, not looking at you. He's like looking 10 feet behind you and, his social graces are very lacking having not really understood how to develop himself and deal with other people he's awkward at times alright fair enough Mordecai tell us what you look like uh so Mordecai is uh he's about 24 years old pretty young uh fiery blue eyes about 5'10 185 pounds um I've got somewhat long little past the shoulders, blue hair. Um, my most distinguishing feature is that I have eyelid tattoos that extend kind of into the, the sides of my hairline. Um, they're quite uh, distinguishing. Uh, I wear inky black heavy leather that has kind of like faint runes on it that uh, almost kind of glow in the light slightly. I have a midnight blue cloak that I use for sneaking about. Uh, I'm very sneaky. And um, I have a sniper rifle under that cloak, which is pretty dope. And then I've got a belt with a lot of little little pouches um, that you guys don't know what are in, what's inside, which is cool. Um, but yeah, I, I'm mostly black and blue and I'm very sneaky. You gotta love that we made it 45 minutes into the first <laughs> session before we actually described what you guys look like. We are so good at this. Uh, just cut this and put it at the beginning. No. I refuse. No. <laughs> actually, the way this, quite frankly, the way this panned out with like kind of describing you guys getting to the ground, this is the perfect time to really say how you look as you're walking into the world you're gonna be on. So sure. everything before that's very much preamble. So it sounds so like I'm remiss in my description. Oh. I totally forgot about the brand across my forehead. You have a brand. Oh yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, that's kind of a big that's deal. a thing. Yeah, and uh, it I'm I'm gonna pick. It says Cidum, C I D U M, which I'm I'm no linguist, but uh, it's Latin for kind of for killing a brother or fratricide. <laughs> so that's what that's what's across my dome. Yo. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> which I received on on or en route to my uh my prison sentence. Um that won't be distracting to anybody talking to you. <laughs> yeah. Dimitri, I wear a cravat around my head so it's not always visible, but uh Dimitri knowing what your brand says now. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm going to automatically give you negative one influence to interactions with Astra Militarum. So please adjust your influence to have a negative one with your brothers because they would understand what that brand is for. Oh, 
So I will take my plus one influence for being part of the Astromilitarum, and uh, that's a zero. You are now a zero. We have our Fantastic. first major influence change. Also, well, fuck me for being <laughs> Just had to have some flair, didn't you, Mike? Yep. Should he get a you know plus what? one instead with infractionists or something? Like... No. Come on. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, Brad, I would I would like to argue that Please. it would be a plus or it would be a plus zero for officers of the Astra Militarum, but enlisted would think I was bouted as fuck because they know I bodied a shitty officer. I, would they know that though? I I that's my they would that's assume my question. So. Yeah. So like if there's really means- not much well let me let me rephrase they would know if i got that brand i would have bodied someone that was risking my platoon and they'd be about that life because would they even brand him for doing that to somebody of lower rank no they just send him to a penal well, what about, but they also uh, would they brand him if he's killing someone of his same rank all right here's what we're gonna say red, would they we're gonna. Here's what we're gonna say. When did, you, as you think of your backstory, when did you get the brand? Did you get the brand when you bodied your officer, or did you get the brand in prison? I, I got the brand as soon as I was convicted of murking my superior officer. Okay. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna leave the plus one influence with the Astra Militarum. But yes, interactions with leadership of the Astra Militarum, I am going to have to manually adjust for that because they're going to know what your brand means, even if every dog soldier might think, you know. The the hurdle here is that uh, the brand is not specific to officers, but we're going to we're going to take a little creative liberty here and kind of understand that most Astra Militarum folks want to kill someone else in their own regiment because that's just kind of true. So I Let's mean, that's pretty much ass. every commissar, right? Most commissars are very well hated. It's very true. That's why Gaunt and uh, Syphus Kane are so weird. So I'm like practically Batman. I, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> but you're not wearing hockey pads, <laughs> despite Brett's earlier comment about his <laughs> hockey pads, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. So to, to jump back to where we were, you all stepped off the shuttle done a quick glance um, those of you except for Roderick who is very distracted by the noise the crowds the conveyances and just all the the things that remind him of home the other three of you though did see these kind of surreptitious, surreptitious dealings happening Quentin had taken off in a direction to kind of try to check on one and Mordecai was also doing the same Roderick and Dimitri would you follow Mordecai and Quentin and Quentin I understand I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this out there for ease of our group unless you were actively trying to hide from your own party your being unobtrusive won't apply to the, these three gentlemen. That's why I poke people in the nose. Unless, because even me speaking to them doesn't break it. it I have to interact with them. I'm just going to actively <laughs> assume that I am surprised by you. So, constantly. Brad, did we? <laughs> oh, did we just? Get, I will be constantly booping you in the nose. <laughs> did we just get dumped off on this? Uh, you literally got pad? dropped. We're not being directed anywhere. The, the directions all came from your data slate. You were dropped off. The, inquis- uh, the inquisitorial agents are staying by the ship, and that's it so far. They haven't made any move as if okay. they're going to leave. You don't know if they're still if they're staying. 
Well, I don't want any more of that corpse paste, so uh, yeah, I'm going to walk away from this ship. We basically have those two leads to follow, and yeah. we could do that, or we could start looking into these ceilings yeah. to see what we So you've, come just across. to remind you, you have three leads from Halicarn. Well, you have, the... You have the first one is to investigate the Mudgate. That's not really a lead per se, but kind of. Right. And I'm assuming that's the one you left off because it was not a specific human being or specific place. Uh, no, well, the other one you said was a safe haven, so I left that one off, assuming that's a place for us to stay. That is a good call. I apologize. That Yeah, the hostelry was a safe house, so that is a good call to say you have two leads and a safe house. Someone might know something there, though, as well, so we don't know. Sure. I mean, we're here at Mudgate. Might as well look around. Yeah. So to that end, Mordecai is walking away with Quentin. I'm going to follow him. Okay. As the four of you make your way towards where you just saw this gentleman in red, kind of red nobility clothes, trimmed in shoddy gold, it looks very faded. You see a, a couple things pass hands, and all of a sudden, he's gone. The individual is completely just, they're just not there anymore. Um, seems to have slunk into the crowd, and you lost him with the masses on this, this port space. So how would you like to approach this? I'm just walking straight up. Straight up to, to whom, I should say, because the person who you saw the dude dealing is, you, you lose them almost immediately. They make- I'm basically going up to one of the, if there were people doing stuff with boxes, I'm looking, I'm walking up straight up to the box just to take a peek inside of okay. it. Okay. I'm ignoring the people there until someone actually actively acknowledges that I'm there. I'm just going to say, I want to go look in that box. I'm going to go look in that box. Okay, give me, uh, give me an awareness check. Perception based. Uh, so for for sight. Uh, plus four. Plus four. You see as you're kind of beginning to approach some of these crates. You see as the RBDs, which are the police officers of every single hive world, every single world actually. The so just to to clarify this term for everyone, RBDs they're they're soldiers. They're not your you know they're not the run of the mill like bully cops but they are essentially the peacekeeping force of the world. Um, Quentin, as you go to kind of walk towards these goods, you see as you've already caught the attention of a couple different Arbides who begin walking towards you. How would they have noticed me? Oh, that's right. Damn, you are <laughs> going to throw me for a loop. Okay, never mind then. <laughs> you don't get noticed, but as you kind of walk towards the crate, you see that, uh, let's pivot then to what you see. You see that there are, are um, groups of Arbides scattered around walking through the crowds. And you also see that after the crate had been opened, it's already been resealed. Like it was like opened, things passed hands, and it was slammed back into place. You can try to get into it, but you see that it has um, banding over it with locks. There's okay, there's actual actual locks. On so it. Okay. so you notice that for them to get in and make that exchange, someone is unlocking these crates. I'm just going to keep walking around looking for people who are doing some shady stuff like this and see if I can find one that I can take a peek in while they're doing it. Either like literally as they're doing it, I would be standing right next to them trying to be like peek inside what the hell they're transacting okay. if I could. Uh, well, um, he's and also at the same time, I'm also grabbing if I see there are people like deckhands that are working around like with the crates, yeah. like with a tool or something, I'm grabbing one of those tools so that if anyone does notice me, I'm also unremarkable so that I blend in if I have tools or okay so you're trying to steal a, a kind of not steal but uh acquire a dock worker's tool to look like a dock worker just in case you're noticed 
Yes. Very easy to do. There are many dock workers who are absolutely shirking in their work, and you can find one very easily. Mordecai. Yep. I just walk by, I grab their tool, and walk away. Mordecai. <laughs> While he's doing that as well, I'm going to try to spot one of these shady deals and kind of like peek in and, and try to get a an idea of what they're saying to each other because I can read lips. You can read lips. Good sure can. Know. Excellent. Good to know. Love this. You guys are going to make this a, a, an interesting search. Roderick, Dimitri, what are you two doing? I haven't noticed anything. I'm just kind of um, taking in the sight still. Okay. Being a so, pompous ass. <laughs> I'm going to take a bit of a different direction. Sure. I'm going to be looking for street urchins. Um, you know, kids living on the street that are trying to eke out a living. Um, are there any here, or is this too public of a space for them to kind of be out? Uh, you you would know that, well, actually, you wouldn't know, but you've learned with a quick glance, you're not going to see many street urchins here in the docks. It's too busy. There's too many guards. There's too many people. Okay. Um, that's not to say that there aren't some people who seem to be kind of like begging for some solars to catch a shuttle. Okay. But yeah, let's, let's, let's uh, expand it to, you know, beggars and uh, yeah, we'll go beggars or street urchins. Okay. Do me a favor. And uh, as you, as you begin to look around, um, you see as Quentin and Mordecai are kind of stepping off to your left, they see another deal going on and they're trying to make their way to it. You and Roderick kind of are are stepping around and Dimitri, you look around and you see a large number of people milling and you're, you're trying to identify who you could approach. Give me a challenging plus zero reflexes dodge test. Oh, shit. What? (laughs) So you said reflexes dodge? Reflexes dodge. So 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 I... Dodge is a specialization, right? Yep. Dodge Dodge is a specialty. Oh, I see. Okay. So you're just going to roll against reflexes. reflexes. Correct. Okay, that's a negative one. Negative one. Okay, Wait, you said you said it was a difficult. No, that's a negative one. A challenging plus zero. Oh yeah, then a negative one. Okay, so just to to clarify, because that's actually a really great question from Dimitri. Within this system, unlike it within Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay, when I tell you to make a test, I will tell you the specialty as well. So if it's reflexes, I'll tell you dodge. If it's um, awareness, I'll tell you sight or smell. That way, if you have that specialty, you know that you can add those. Uh, eventual uh, increases as well because of the the cap on increases otherwise. So with a negative one, Roderick, you are pushed aside as a sprinting citizen clothed in voluminous and tattered robes crashes into Dimitri, knocking you both prone. And the care, the, the man just begins to weep incessantly. And he, he's trying to pick himself up and he's going, "I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. All right, hold fast there, that. I'm going to yell at him because I'm pissed. I hate getting knocked over. That's annoying. Uh, and I'm just going to... You didn't get knocked over, Dimitri. You <laughs> said you knocked us both prone. Oh. He he pushed you, like you got pushed out of the way, but he ran flat into Dimitri. They went Oh, flat. they went prone. Oh, they both I went heard, prone. thought I went. They, they went prone. prone. Oh, okay. They went prone. You kind of got bumped out of the way as he smacks into Dimitri. Watch where you're going, so you arrogant lout. Look, look, I'm, I'm innocent. I'm innocent. Please. You ha- and he's like grasping at your clothes. And he's going, you have to help me. I'm innocent. And you see as the crowd around him kind of begins to part. Uh, you don't even need to roll to see that you can see the silver and gold plating of Arbides' armor making its way towards you. All right, slow down, mate. 
Innocent to what? How long do we have before these people are on us? You think you might have maybe a minute or two. He looks to you and he says, I, I, I'm just, they think I did something I didn't do. I swear I'm innocent. I just, I, I, I'm just a battery manufacturer worker. Like I didn't, I didn't know. Perfect. Um, I'm going to take my, my robes okay. and, that I'm not wearing. These, these are spare. Okay. And I'm going to toss them over him and we're going to start walking like 90 degrees from the direction he came in at. Okay. So you're taking your spare robes and throwing them over him and you guys are walking. Yeah, and I'm going to have my hand over him. Like, I'm clearly controlling where this dude's walking. Okay. To to the populace, it would look like we're just talking and walking. Okay. All right. Are these uh, so you... guards actively looking for this dude right now? Very much seems that way, yes. How many are there? Four. Okay. Uh, seeing what Dimitri's doing, he's like, all right, I guess we're doing this thing. I'm going to start walking toward the guards. And I would like to use my distracting talent to kind of raise a ruckus. Oh, you lot. What are you doing out here in the street? Shouldn't you be taking care of that guy that just ran that way? Uh, and you're going to point a different way? Yeah, basically. And my distracting talent, uh, I can use it once per encounter to interrupt another individual making a test to impose disadvantage on their test. So if they're actively looking okay. for this dude, they have disadvantage on that. Here's what's going to happen. Dimitri, I need you to give me a difficult negative 10 stealth concealed test if you have any advances in concealed to hide this person who's babbling roderick i have to roll a disadvantage you need to roll a opposed test you're going to use your rapport so it'll be a challenging plus zero rapport if you have advances or specialization in deception that's the specificity you're going to roll that uh and i'm going to oppose that what to see how so we what do. am i rolling for you are rolling a challenging plus zero rapport deception test. So you're trying to lie. I'm really just trying to distract them. But if the lie works too, that'd be great. The lie is part of the distraction and she's at disadvantage. So let's see what her oppose will be. Okay. So we're gonna oppose the rapport. We're gonna, actually we're gonna oppose her rapport, your rapport with hers, which will be, uh, we're gonna use the specialty for her of inquiry. And she's at disadvantage, which means, so keep in mind, disadvantage means you have to flip it and take the worst if you roll it. So I rolled a 26 and 26 would pass, but with disadvantage, that's a 62. Uh, so that's a negative four success levels for this vigilant a uh, member of the Arbides who's trying to kind of find something. How'd you do, Robert? I love that for us. Um, I got a 21 out of 40 awesome. on my rapport test. So that's a plus two. Okay, so you have a plus two. So plus two, negative five. Yeah, definitely not not succeeding that. And Dimitri, how did that stealth go? So you said I had a negative 10, right? Negative 10 Difficult? to the roll, yep. Okay, so then I tied. Okay. So I rolled a 22. My stealth is 32, so that's a still a tie right tie in their ties pass or pass or plus zero so tie oh. just to clarify we did ties wrong in warhammer fantasy those were also passes we made it even harder or on ourselves <laughs> <laughs> yeah we did. we did i didn't realize until you said something as we were getting ready to play this game and someone said are ties a success here i go ties are success in the last game did we not do that and then i realized 
Um, okay, so, okay, I thought I failed then. Okay, No, you succeed a, with a plus zero. Roderick, you succeed with a, a plus two. Very okay. big swing on Plus eight? Yep. Plus uh, seven? It'd be, it'd be a plus because it's opposed to success level swing. It's plus eight. Yeah. So as this all happens, Roderick, you're pointing off to the side, and you see as this uh, this Vigilite, and they're, they're called the Vigilites. This Vigilite steps in front of you. And as she does, you see the gold gilded helm the kind of like laurel wreaths around it, the skull in the dead center, massive armor with lights on either side of the neck piece. And the face that looks down has a scar running over one side of the mouth. The skin is very, very pale. And you see as this person looks to you and goes, right, you hear a feminine voice. She goes, you three, head that way. Go try to track him down. And you, I want to talk to you. I, I am not on trial here. And you listen here. I'm from a very important family, and I'm going to start into a gothic gibberish rant at her and try and stun her. And we're going to find out how your <laughs> gothic gibberish rant and how this stealth check worked in the next episode. So, is that, a, is that your talent? Gothic gibberish? <laughs> what the fuck? I can basically just go off on a rant with using big words and just like throwing down, and it takes them so long to catch up they get stunned. Oh my god, it's amazing. Well, that That's brings so us to cool. the end of episode one of The Tainted Hive. Thank you so much for listening. Please make sure to check out our website at deadsunsco.com for the latest news and social links. And if you like our content, please consider supporting us over at patreon.com slash deadsunscompany. Guys, I'll see you for the next one soon enough. Yeah, mate. Right on.